When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the End in Mind podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin, the owner of Meraki Media Management. The End in Mind is a place where we come to share stories, tips, and strategies of many entrepreneurs, creatives, business owners, and just some people that aren't willing to live the traditional lifestyle. We talk about how to live outside of the box today and how to incorporate what really is important in your life to keep that end goal always in mind. Again, if you would like to reach out to me in any type of way, you can find me on Instagram at Meraki underscore media underscore management. And I hope to hear from you all soon. Thanks so much and enjoy our show. Welcome back to The End in Mind. I'm your host, Caitlin, and I have an awesome guest with me here today. Katie, thank you so much for being here. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for the invitation. This is fun. Oh, yeah. This is going to be so great. And just so our listeners know, we did do an episode on Katie's podcast, which will be linked below. So if you guys want to go check that out before you listen to this episode, feel free. But either way, we're just going to learn more about Katie today and what she offers. And she's actually located in Ireland, which is one of my favorite places in the world. So I can't wait to touch on there, too. Oh, sure. Yes. As you can all hear, I'm not actually Irish, but I am an American living here. So (laughs) I love it. It's such a beautiful country. So tell us a little bit more about yourself. Like what brought you to Ireland? And then also tell us about your business as well. Yeah, well, I think what brought me to Ireland is a good kind of entry point into who I am. I I love the country. And I lived here when I was a student for one semester, I had a study abroad, and I uh, liked living here. And so my spouse and I started visiting together. We were trying to remember the first year, like probably 2015. And then we were coming almost every year, sometimes twice a year. And every time we left, we thought, wouldn't it be cool to live there? So we began dreaming about that. And intuitively, we we both thought that it was the, the place where we were being called if we could work it out. And so a lot of red tape and a lot of bureaucracy later, um, we were finally able to move here. And we both set ourselves up to be full-time online, to work online so we could really be anywhere in the world. But it was very much a leap of faith and intuition that brought us here while also paying attention to a lot of details. And so I'm of the firm, um, I'm of the firm opinion that you can and should do both. Um, intuition doesn't mean that it was just a free for all out there, especially in the world of business and entrepreneurs. And um, so I, I bring sort of spirituality and logic to everything that I do. Uh, and so, yeah, so that's what brought me to Ireland. And then, oh gosh, the rest, the rest of the story. Let's see. I primarily what I do is I help I do two things. Uh, one, I help entrepreneurs and business people um, dive into their spirituality. So I'm a spiritual coach. And so I help them reconcile if they're having spiritual problems. Uh, I have I help a lot of people actually get launched who are 
for whom spirituality is really important and they may not know all the ins and outs of like, how do you start your own business? What do you need to do? How do you, how do you find clients and do that ethically and bring in that intuitive and that logic piece all at once and, and be strategic, kind of divinely strategic, I guess, all at once. Um, and then I also help, uh, I'm a metaphysical engineer. And so I also help Christians who are having real serious questions about how metaphysics fit into their faith journey. I help them do that. Interesting. So whether they're entrepreneurs or not, I just help them like, how how can you believe in Jesus and also like chakras? Can you admire Buddha and still adhere to the teachings of Jesus? And the answer to all of those is yes, 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 you can. And uh, I think that for entrepreneurs, it's also really helpful to have some of those metaphysical tools at their disposal. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I'm like so intrigued because I knew a little bit about what you did, but now really hearing you explain, I'm so intrigued. I love this because I grew up in a Catholicism family, you know, and my grandfather, very, very religious. And my mom tends to be more of that, like how you're saying chakra, spiritual, woo woo. Woo woo. Yes. (laughs) And um, so I really had both, you know, growing up. But um, and I tend to go in and out of both at the same time, like when I think about universe and whatever it may be higher, you know, person for myself personally, I do think of God and Jesus and all of that. So I love that you have the simpatico and you're able to help people understand that it can be both. It doesn't. Yeah. We don't have to choose. Yeah. It's both and not, not either or. And I'm, I'm also an ordained minister. It's not something that I, I'm not serving a church right now. I haven't done that in a long, long time, but you know, here I am and um, a Protestant ordained minister living in Ireland, helping people connect to chakras. I also just started a shamanic training. So I'm also training to be a shamanic practitioner. So, you know, like it's all, it's all both and. It's hardly ever either or. So (laughs) we in fact can have it all. Yes. The spirit world is very, very eager for us to have it all, including being, you know, successful and abundant entrepreneurs. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. That's so beautiful to hear you bridge everything and the shamanism and everything that you're exploring. I would love to learn more about that too, as you get, you know, more certified or continue on that journey. Yeah. I'm in month three. So I've got nine more months to go, but like this world world won't let me quit. It just keeps on knocking at the door. Let's try this. Let's do this. So I love that. Oh my gosh. We're like firm believers. Everybody listening is firm believers as well. And you know, everything that you're talking about, and even if it might not be resonating on the religious, religious side, you know, if they might not identify as that. I know for myself, as I've gotten older and being with my boyfriend, who is, who was raised in a Catholic family, went to Catholic school and knows so much more than me. He's been able to give me these pieces that it does have a really clear bridge, at least for myself when I look at it. So I think it's beautiful what you help people do and let them realize that, like you said, you can have it all. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. It's, it's so, it is so my joy. And uh, I love, I love all the people that I get to work with who are, are themselves beautiful bridges and then able to more put their mission and their life purpose out into the world where a lot of people probably, they felt pretty stuck because every time they were accessing some of the intuition and, and the spiritual energy, they were freaking out about it. Yeah. Yeah. They were totally flipping out about it. And then they weren't able to live into their purpose at a at a deeper level. And um, especially for entrepreneurs, you know, if we're not living our purpose with our businesses, it's uh, it, it can be it can feel very hollow. Yeah, it can feel very hollow. So I think the more spiritual tools we have at our disposal, the more guided we can be. Mm, that's and the more the more we can live into the uncertainty 
with a little clarity. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so aligned that we're talking about this. Actually, a client that I had this morning, we were kind of touching on this topic. Like it's it's almost impossible to make sales and be an entrepreneur and build a brand if you really can't be yourself undeniably, right. you know? Oh, yeah. So yeah. Can you tell us more about your experience working with your clients on that level and what you've been able to uncover and maybe just some of those blocks that, you know, we all may have, you know, because it's very confusing when you enter into entrepreneurship to begin with, you know? Yeah, I think for people coming from a from a spiritual, a spiritually enlivened background, um, whether whether or not they've worked with me in the past around metaphysics, and then they're tiptoeing into entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs who are coming to me from another background, um, I think a lot of times people feel like they're not able to bring their spirituality into their into their business, or that being in business is not spiritual that it is that it's anti-spiritual or feeling like money is a necessary evil mm. instead of part of the abundance where we can all pay it forward. So um, I was actually really influenced um, by some another person I interviewed, uh, Laura Hartley recently, who talks about being, a, being an entrepreneur does not mean you have to be a capitalist. Mm. And that gave me such a sense of relief because, and I, I just realized I had been holding on to a little bit of that old belief and old programming, like, oh my gosh, have I become the man? Right. Or have I, am I, am I exploiting someone without meaning to? And no, of course we can be entrepreneurs and do it ethically. So I think a lot of the blocks that I help people work around initially are the belief that they're, they're doing something that's inherently, it's like a necessary evil. It's a way they have to make uh, this money to live in this 3D world, but they would really rather not. They would all, we would all rather live in a sharing economy, but you know, that's not the universe that we all chose to be born into. We chose to be born in this one where we have money as a means to um, do good in the world. So that little pivot, when we can make that pivot and that transformation, that allows us to serve at a bigger level. So I, I think that's the, probably the major block that keeps on coming around. Yeah. Because we're all going to have money stuff that we all have to work through, not constantly, but there's always another little layer there. Absolutely. So, yeah. Once we can jump the hurdle of that first big layer, the other ones become a lot easier to uncover. And so even getting used to the idea that money can be spiritual. Mm, love that. It doesn't have to be the goal, but it can be part of the spiritual journey. Yeah. Wow. That's so powerful. Even just hearing you say that, I think a lot of us get into business thinking that, you know, we have to make money. It's all about the grind, the hustle, you know, the fad words, we right, are yeah. all on, you know, <laughs> but in reality, like that's not why I got into business. You know, I got into the business to help people, you know, like that was really the goal at the end of the day, whatever those people ended up being. And they tend to be entrepreneurs because I can relate to them. Yeah, it's really interesting to hear you talk about the money blocks and how, our spirituality may even help us uncover them, you know? Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like tapping into that energy and what's our, what's a story that we have around money. And I know so many of us, I mean, I can speak to from church experience where I've worked with lovely people, people who were just sincere, authentic Jesus followers, non-judgmental, yeah. LGBTQ affirming. I mean, feeding the, feeding the hungry, clothing the homeless, doing all that, just really wonderful people. Um, but you start talking about money, you would watch them just like flip out and, and go into scarcity mode. 
And I, it is, I just, I witness um, wonderful religious institutions who are intent on keeping people impoverished through their mindset. Interesting. Right. Because they don't want to, they don't want to be the Joel Osteens of the world. They don't want to be um, the Jim Bakers of the world, sort of big business churches, which I agree they should not be. But the alternative is not poverty mindset. Mm. Yeah. Because then you're not actually generating enough to help the people that God has called you to help. Wow. Right. And so I see this, you know, even with, especially those coming from a religious backgrounds, there's a real scarcity mindset that's very prevalent that we have to readjust. Oh my gosh. That's so great to hear you explain that breakdown too, because even speaking for myself with my own experience, like ancestrally healing oh, pieces yeah. of this, you know, it's like so interesting to hear you talk about the trickle down of, you know, giving money to the church or maybe even just having the church not ask for money, you know, or donations. And then it's like, but the ceiling's falling, you know, right. Like, yeah. Something, <laughs> oh, we need something or we're out of a place, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, I mean, if a church is called to help a particular vulnerable population, they need money to do that. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, especially churches with like elderly populations, they can't get out in the middle of the night to run a homeless shelter. Yeah. Like they can't drive at night. They, you know, there's a lot of stuff they can't do there if they're not physically able, but if they have, um, if they have a, a good relationship with money, they can certainly find ways to serve. Wow. Yes. And there's yeah. like a power in that, even just yeah. you say that, you know. And, and hearing you mention ancestors, I, I think that's really helpful, really important. We're all working with energy from our ancestors. Yeah. Whether it's a healthy relationship with money, an unhealthy relationship with money, being denied money. If you were if your ancestors were part of a very vulnerable population who wasn't given access to wealth historically. Wow. And so we all have those kind of blocks to work through as well um, uh, with, with ancestors living or, or far departed. Yeah. So yeah. when you work with your clients, is that something that you uncover as well? Like the ancestral part of it? I'm just honestly asking for myself because I'm intrigued, you know? <laughs> I've, I, I work with ancestors some. Um, I do I do a little bit of that. I can, I've can i guided people into meditations to have some healing, um, healing energy with ancestors. I just had a huge realization this weekend for myself that I was really pissed off at a lot of my ancestors. Yeah, I can really. I had to come home and like tell them how mad I was at them for some stuff, like even ones I had never met in person. So again, I think it's like the relationship with money, the more that we can kind of gently and from a place of curiosity and loving kindness, dive into our ancestral story, the better. Now, for those who don't have specific sort of intuitive or mediumship or um, kind of guided journey capacity, or haven't had training in that, it's really helpful to have someone who can help you with that process. Um, and so it's much more powerful if we do it for ourselves rather than go to a reader and have them give us information about our ancestors. I mean, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think when we can have a one-on-one, one-on-one um, -on -one or a more, more intimate experience so that we can get into that energy, yeah, then we can heal it. And so the people, the people that I've worked with who work really closely with ancestors um, all tell me, and I've experienced this to be true, that uh, here on earth, we, we have elevated ancestors who are here to accompany us. Love that. Yeah. So we can call out to our elevated ancestors, form a relationship with them. I mean, they're not slot machines. We don't want to be like, come help me get rich. We <laughs> want to say, what are the lessons you have to give me around money? Love and can you please guide me on how to do this ethically? But then we have unelevated ancestors who are still feeling broken 
And so we can facilitate opportunities for them to experience healing. Wow. And we can also do that around their relationship with the material world, with abundance. They don't need money wherever they are, but they do need a healed relationship to money. Wow. That's so interesting. Yeah. So definitely something I can, I can work with and help guide people around. Yeah. Re- oh my God. Rewrite those stories. Yeah. Cause it does tend to, that's something that we talk about a lot on the podcast are narratives that we may be writing ourselves or picking up from ancestrally or even from just society or friends, you know, yeah. picking up those beliefs over time. And yeah. And back them. Yeah. And ancestors come in all shapes and sizes, right? Like we have our biological ancestors, but we also have spiritual ancestors. We have cultural ancestors. We have non-human ancestors. Wow. In the form of, in the form of uh, the earth of rocks, plants, trees. And what can they teach us about abundance? Mm. What's, what is their money story? They don't need it in the same way that we do, but we sure can use money to destroy them. Wow. And we can use money to help them thrive. So they're not immune to our relationship with money either. That's very interesting. I love this. It's like so complex in so many ways. I think when people talk about money stories, they tend to look at like the surface or just the I, you know, the me, the identity. But like you said, it's so much more. We can heal those relationships with the physical world and maybe even non-physical, you know? Yeah. That's definitely something I've been unpacking recently. And like my experience with my dad, a lot of the listeners know this as well. He passed away when I was 15. So there was a lot of money things that came out afterwards. Actually, mm-hmm. like I had inherited money from him. And before that, like we really didn't have anything. You know, my mom and I were not sure if I would have to get a job and like, you know, not be able to go to school for us to live in the town that we lived in. So it was pretty intense. And then when we got the inheritance in the mail, because we weren't aware of it. Wow. My whole life changed, you know? Wow. And the beliefs that he had created in order to save for the life policy was completely backwards, you know, when we're inheriting it. Right. I'm reminded my, I had a great grandmother who was super miserly. She was not the kind of grandma, great grandma who like baked you cookies. Yeah. She, she was, she was the one who's like, why are you late? You know? Yeah, totally. Um, uh, grandma Caldwell, Uh, but she, if we were taking her somewhere in her elder years, and she would, we stopped at the drugstore and she would say, okay, she'd give you a dollar, go buy me Wrigley's gum. And she would tell you exactly how much it cost. Now this was in the like early nineties, you know, 50 time, 59 cents or something. So if we went in and they didn't have Wrigley's, but they had some other brand of gum and it was 10 cents more, we had to go back out to the car to ask her. Oh my God. Can we buy this? It's 10 cents more. And she would generally tell us no and take the dollar back. She saved an incredible amount of money. I mean, it was like $2 million uh, by, by living this way, but she didn't enjoy life. As far as I could tell, she was never happy. Wow. Yeah. As I could tell, she was never happy. Her, her only living son, who was my grandfather died before she did. My gosh. Yeah. And so she didn't kind of get to pass along to him. So, you know, like healing that she had, she was a good saver, like no doubt about it. I'm not sure it was a super healthy relationship to money. Right. So, you know, that offering her the opportunity to maybe rethink that if she, if she wants, that's not my business. It's her business in spirit, but I love that. Yeah. 
like having these conversations is even just healing for us to experience because a yeah. lot of it happens when we're children, you know, so we're like, right. yeah, we're unaware and we're just living. And, I'm, you know, I'm also reminded of Virginia Woolf. Um, I think it's in a room of her own, which has been forever since I read, but I think it's in a room of her own. She talks about all the gifts she received from schooling and culture from her uh, from her relatives she was like undoubtedly the one that made the biggest difference in her life was when an aunt died and made her her made her the heir she was like it was the money that made the difference so i like there's a lesson in that not that money solves everything but if we can cultivate a healthy relationship with abundance we can in fact change other people's lives i love that and that's not the only way but it is a way yeah wow so, and it takes that healthy relationship yeah, that's beautiful. It's so interesting to hear you talk about the money concept like so deeply, you know, like I know that I've said that before in this episode, but it's I really don't hear anyone talking about it on this level. You it's know, it's a deep thing. Yeah, it's an energetic yeah. phenomenon. I mean, it literally fuels the world. And we 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 certainly have so many examples of people that are destructive with it. Yeah. And that's a better storyline than people who are healthy and using money wisely, right? So, you know, I wonder if we can all as as uh, participants in your community be the ones who make those cool stories. Absolutely. I would love that. You know, I feel like that's what I hope for with myself. I even just had this conversation like with my own guides on my own journey the other night and we were talking about, you know, because I've been having these epiphanies too. I'm like, what is it? Like, what is sin? You know, what are these, oh, yeah. words, you know, like why or what were they given for? And is there purpose around them? You know, like I just really have so much curiosity, um, especially because my grandfather, just for the listeners as well, because they probably don't even know this about me, but my grandfather was very religious. So was my grandmother, but my mom really was that spiritual person. So I was never, and when I say spiritual, I mean, woo woo. But when I was growing up, I was never raised in the church. Like I was baptized, but that was about as far as it went. So yeah. You didn't have an ongoing relationship. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, I'm like, what, you know, when Jeopardy comes on about, Bible, <laughs> I'm like, Sean, I have no clue, you know, it's like completely over <laughs> So there's also a lot of curiosity there for me, especially being in Ireland and learning so much about the culture and the history behind it. I just find it very intriguing. So when I was having this conversation with my ancestors, what they gave me, which I think it's interesting, like each one of us intuitively can have these conversations. And I love how you're mentioning, you don't need a healer to tell you this, you know, right. you can do the work and have the yeah. conversations. Um, what they kept coming up for me was like love, you know, my, my duty here is love right now. And that needs to be my focus. And, you know, they literally said to me, they're like, nothing else matters, like nothing else matters. So I don't know if that's specifically my message, you know, <laughs> that I was supposed to get in that moment, but that was what I was walking away with, which actually brought me so much peace, you know? Oh, I love it. Yeah. I mean, that, that message is at the heart of most religions. Yeah. Right. The love, uh, the eternal love from the divine to us and through that love that we share with one another and with the earth is is what it's all about. And I certainly think that's the core of Jesus message. Love that. Yeah. And that we express that love in in very concrete, real ways. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So I love that you receive that and that that I think when, you know, 
every journey we make here on planet earth, whether it's many, many times or many, many rotations uh, for the duration of this lifetime, the more that we can find that healthy love. Yeah. The, the more, the more, the more immersed in the divine we become. And that's so beautiful. Like even falling in like an, that concept around falling in love with money instead of having this evilness ideology attached to it, you know, and all of those things, it just feels, it feels more aligned. It feels good to say that, you know, like yeah. that's good in money. It doesn't always have to be negative or even how you said the capitalism, like I really resonate yeah. with that, you know? Right. Yeah. 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 We don't have to be part of a destructive force. Yeah. But we can still be in relationship to money and, and, and that it's an energy. That's all it is. It's an energy and we can assign it these different values. Mm-hmm or different emotions, or neg- we can assign it to be negative or positive, but that's all a label. And uh, someone someone I was speaking with the other day, I, I love this because I hadn't thought of it in this way. She said, I, now I treat money as my lover. <laughs> I thought, okay, I've done friend, I've done energy, I have not done lover, but <laughs> you know, she said, treat, treat, treat money as tenderly as you would a lover, and, which, and with that much respect and passion. Not that you're worshiping it or idolizing it, but you're you're in this passionate relationship because you know that it can do good in the world. Wow. And in your life. In the way, the same way that you deserve an attentive lover. You deserve money. And uh, that spirit can help support that. Yes. Yeah. Cause it can you can get lost, you know, like right. in my own experience, it can get very oh, yeah. confusing, you know, when you're kind of like stuck here and you're trying to explore the spiritual world and it can get this conflict, which I'm sure is really what a lot of your clients probably come to you with. Like they may be in the conflict or they may be pre-conflict and they're like, what's this gonna look like? You know, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think people worry about getting corrupted. Two, that's a, that's a really, if I make too much money, I'm going to be like these people I don't like. Wow. And yeah. So that's why I think it's, it is really important to have a spiritual grounding, um, a moral grounding, an ethical grounding, whatever that looks like in your own life or, or however you define that, you know, for listeners, however you define that. But it's that returning to that spiritual center and and like for you, is this, is this an act of love? Will keep us in alignment with money. So I think also having the self-confidence to know, uh, yeah, I can make money and not, not be a jerk. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I can be, I, I can do this without being sending off angry Twitter messages <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> to, you all know what I'm talking about, right? Back. In... <laughs> totally. um, but yeah, like this, it is, it is possible to do this, to do it ethically and to do it and be in spiritual alignment. Yeah, that is so beautiful. Like, I feel like it's going to bring so much peace even to people hearing that because it's great to hear the words. Like, again, I don't hear anyone talking like this about healing that relationship, like with money or even with anything, you know, with all of it. Oh, yeah. Whole kit and caboodle. The whole thing, right? All the trauma, all the trauma we can heal. <laughs> I know, right? Like it is a possibility. Yeah. And that's like what I hope people come here and know and they have that peace, you know? Yeah. Well, and and uh, it's okay for us to be um, angry when we see injustices around money. I mean, Jesus flips over the tables in the temple because people are overcharging and unethically charging and weighting the scales for um, the animals that poor people are coming to offer and sacrifice at the temple 
Wow. uh, You know, he sees us as a radical injustice and he flips the table. So there there are times when we have to flip the tables. Mm. When we see injustices, when we see blatant lies, you know, when we see, um, when when we see vulnerable people being taken advantage of. Yeah. So I do think part of our healed relationship with money is to call those instances out. Because I think that ultimately that is an act of love. I love that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So sometimes love means saying that you're, you're kind of being a shithead. Let's get this together. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that I'm like obsessed with. Yeah. Like, that's that. really shitty. We, that's, that's not a divine thing to do. Let's, let's do this in a different way. Yes. And exactly how you said, like for the listeners, if you're unclear on what that line may be, come back to your moral and ethical yeah. values, yeah, which I think absolutely. is such a great, even like a great exercise after this episode. Yeah, right. I haven't done that before. I have a list of mine and I- Oh, come- that's great. What's on your list? All, a lot of ethics ground, mm-hmm. you know, cause I also went to school for communications. So a lot mm-hmm. of it is rooted in, you know, value and how to really morally ethically serve. A lot of my words were like harmony. Um, so like peace mm-hmm. driven, you know, no stress. And it's so funny. I wrote these like five years ago. I love the no stress one as a value. That's beautiful. I need that value. Yes. <laughs> like back then I was like, so not even there mentally. It's like funny that I, but wrote you knew, that. you knew you would be though. Yes. Right. Yeah. Like I guess that higher self a little bit too. Mm-hmm. You created that. Thank you so much for saying that. And yeah, I, th- I think a lot of the other ones were, you know, how to really be like present with people is a huge one presence for me. Um, I say that with my clients a lot. Like if we can't be present, because that was another problem that I struggled with early on was my energy was like, bleh, you know, like splattered. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and I was just so drained all the time. So that was an, I think that was one of my words. That I, that's so beautiful because being present to yourself enables you to be present to others. Yeah. Right if we can't be present with ourselves first, it's like, you know, we really, we really can't even have a prosperous business on, right. you know, because yeah. we're like totally off in the clouds, you know, with nowhere to go. But yeah, I'm trying to think of other words that were on here. It's not coming up right now. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, no, those are, those are just gorgeous. So I love the idea of kind of putting that firmly into your kind of your business plan. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Really anchoring those in. Exactly. I was actually working with a copywriter who had me write down my values. <laughs> she was Canadian. <laughs> I was so glad that I worked with her. She's amazing. Her name's Jill. I'll tag her in this below. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Friends, you know, she just had a baby. She's amazing. But she was very, very like, you know, driven in having me write my values out. And that was really how she curated a lot of my content, too, was from my values which I thought was so unique. I don't see a lot of people doing that now, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Really identifying those values that are um, fueling your personal life and then fueling your business. And I, I think that probably, probably writing those down will tell us a lot about our relationship to money and to abundance. Yeah. That's yeah. Really true. Maybe even relooking at them like mm-hmm. years to come, like I will have to find this list and I'll send it to you too. Um, because I'm sure a lot of them have changed now, you know? Yeah. Well, right. And there's always layers. I I had someone, I was going through, I went to a healing session not too long ago with one of my, uh, with my shamanic teacher actually. And (laughs) 
he said, you know, do you feel like you're powerful? I said, yeah, I do. And he said, do you feel like you have, you know, the help from spirit? I said, I do. And he said, do you feel like a winner? And I said, Ooh, no, I was like, you know, I associate that with like, I don't know, guys looking in the mirror and saying, I am a winner, or like kind of CEOs, like corporate tools or something. I was like, well, that's, that's kind of, that's a, that's a shadow side of myself that I need to, that I need to then uncover. Right. So that, that little moment of healing, I was like, do I feel like a winner? I don't feel like a loser, but like, do I feel like a winner? So that's kind of, that's the, that's the question that's the kind of been at the top of my journal this week. Like how, what are ways that I can cultivate feeling like a winner? Oh, I love that. Like what? Emo- I certainly want all my clients to feel like winners. Right. Right. So that is so interesting. And like looking at that, the emotions that the winner feeling would convey for you too. Yeah. That would be so interesting, you know, like versus someone else, because I think that that's really what it comes down to is like the rhetoric, you know, we yeah. have to be able to assign our own perspective meaning to even know what that means to us, you know? Yeah. And it just, even as you're saying that, I just, I think I just had the aha, the realization, um, just like, I don't think money is zero sum. So I don't think if I have it, someone else is losing it again, unless I'm an exploitative jerk, who's like taking money from people unethically. Right. But I'm not that kind of person, neither are any of the listeners. I know that, um, but money is not zero sum. There's more than enough for the whole world to thrive in abundance. We, there is no, there is no reason on planet earth that we should have poverty. And and that's why I am passionate about this. That's why I'm passionate about abundance. Um, There, there's the the fact that we have homelessness at all tells us something about our cultural values that need to be realigned. But the same is true. I think about feeling like a winner. If I'm a winner, it doesn't mean that someone else is a loser. I didn't take anything from someone, right? I'm not on the first place podium and there's like a silver and bronze. Yeah. I'll have gold medals. I love that. (laughs) I love that analogy. Yeah. yeah. There's enough gold medals to go around. It can all be, everybody can have it. You know, everyone can have money. Everybody can have the winning spot. Everyone deserves to feel that. I'm a firm believer of that too. Like these emotions we all deserve to have and yeah. everyone might experience them differently. You know, abundant yeah. person might look completely different from another person. Um and allowing them to own that and not judge that and give them the space for that, yeah. like, you know, almost like empower them to go after that. Like, you know, sometimes I'm on the phone with my clients and they want something completely different than maybe what I would consider abundant, right. you know, but it's not about me <laughs> that moment. It's about them. <laughs> yeah. One, one person's abundance is a tiny house with very little to have to take care of. And another person's abundance is like a six bedroom where they yes. can spread all their stuff out. Right. And so both are super valid. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. It's yeah. so true. And relating it back to the ideology that like everyone has the opportunity to be rich or rich with their values. You yeah. Know? With but, their values intact. Yeah. Yeah. And with culture kind of coming in and, you know, morphing that belief to be however capitalism or whatever yeah. you want to give, you know, knowledge to, on that sense, it's just not true. It's all right. Yeah. 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 I think, yeah, I think that's correct. Um, I I love the way you just phrased that. Good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. 
Cause I, I resonate with that too. I remember my very first business coach, we were like on the first coaching call. I'm living in my mom's basement, like right after college, I just quit my job. Cause I hated it. You know, I'm like good for you yeah. in my life, you know, like crying myself to sleep. Like, let's oh yeah, no you way know? to live. Yeah. The yeah. first few, the first few months there too, you're still like coming off of that emotional wave of like matrix or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yes. You know, <laughs> your energetic learning period. Yes. <laughs> yes. You're like, where am I? What am I doing? You know, what is next? Um, or I mean, maybe I'm comfortable with the unknown, which is really like the journey that I had to embark on. But that was the first thing that she said to us on the call was that every single person, there's mo- more than enough money in the world to go around. Yeah. Like just because one person's rich doesn't mean you even need to be jealous. Just cheer them on, you know, like right. as long as they're doing good things, right. With the values. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that we, yeah, staying, staying grounded in our values and our ethics will, en- will enable us to attract abundance and again, in a way that is spirit filled, that is divinely led and that, um, allows us to put ourselves more out there in the world, which is the point if we're all entrepreneurs. Yeah. If you there your your goal is to be more out there in the world um and to decide how how big you want your ripple to be. That's beautiful too. And that we can control that, you know, and it Yeah, does. we can Yeah, we can you're we can drop a little pebble or a big rock into the pond. Oh, I love that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we get to decide. That's so amazing. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of people, especially working in social media, you know, in my first business really, that was what they thought, you know, like even I launched a viral campaign and for my previous job before I went into entrepreneurship and there was scarcity. And I'm like, isn't this what we wanted? You know, we got right. a million followers. We've done it. Like we should be like having champagne or something, right. you know? And they're like, oh my God, it was like so much stress, so much pressure. And I thought to myself, like, if this is what 90% of the young TikTokers at that time, TikTok wasn't even a thing. Right. Young influencers, you know, are trying to do, this is all they're working for. And we just happened to find it, right? Like I just launched this campaign and it worked out and now we can't even enjoy it. Like, what does that say? You know, like what, if, what is going on here? It was so confusing for me, but it really did make me start to think like, what are my values? Who are the people that I want to serve that could take this, right? And maybe even do more or are excited for it or ready for that type of growth. Like maybe they just weren't prepared, you know? And it was yeah. all perspective. And I, I love that you have the wisdom to pause and celebrate because that is a missing component of a lot of entrepreneurs. And it is such an important part of every single day, every single accomplishment that we pause and celebrate it. Even if that's just five seconds of, Oh my gosh, I did it. I'm going to give myself a pat on the back or this whole project is finished. Let's, let's take a couple of hours off and somehow celebrate, pop the champagne, whatever that looks like. Because that gives energy to that project and to the abundance that we're bringing in around it. And if we, um, it, it helps, you know, it it helps the energy of your business feel appreciated because your business has its own energy that's separate from you. I love that. 
it's, 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 it has its own engine and it's running. And if it's running all the time and we never stop to celebrate all the amazing things it's doing, it's going to get tired and resentful at us. And yeah. so that pause to celebrate is really important in that combat that scarcity mode. Yeah. Yeah. Celebration is an antidote to scarcity. That's great. I really like that. Yeah. I think it is. Celebration is an antidote to scarcity. And even when it's a failed project. Mm, yeah. Right. We can still pause and celebrate that we've, we've learned something. Okay. Next time I know I'm going to do it differently. It, that, that celebration enables us to maybe get curious. Ooh. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So we, we don't fall into the, um, so negative self-talk around it. How could I have done this? How could I have been so stupid? Right. Cause some projects will just are learning experiences. Absolutely. Yeah. I always say that again, coming off of social media, I'm like, experimentation is what marketing is. You yeah. Know? <laughs> iterate, iterate, like, iterate. Yeah. Exactly. Right. It's like, you just go back to the drawing board, you retry, you read mm-hmm. it um, but yeah, I'm, I'm always saying, you know, it's like, even with our management clients that we still have on our business or we're onboarding, I'm like, you know, there's an experimentation process with yeah. this, you know, and whatever's resonating for you, tell us, cause it's probably resonating with your clients too, whatever right. sticking, tell us, you know, like, cause it's probably not resonating with them either. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That. Yeah. And I think, um, so I've, I've been saying, I think the two key components for any entrepreneur are um, commitment and curiosity, yeah. right? You're being fully committed to your business, but also having really curious when things aren't going our way, or uh, there's, there's some, there's funny energy or things are shifting. We just get really curious about it. But I think I'm going to add another one to that, which is also celebration. Love that. Like the ability to celebrate and not just move straight into the next thing is super important. And uh, I mean, sometimes I live in a, and now that we are in Ireland, we're in a tiny space. It's like a little two bedroom, 900 square feet um, apartment. And with two home offices, it just gets small sometimes. Um, And so sometimes my celebration is just running down the stairs and saying to my husband, like, I did it. (laughs) And running back upstairs. And like, that's it. I just did this cool thing (laughs) or whatever. I figured out the, I figured out the something or I got the new program to work. Love that. And yeah. that, that can be enough. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be a huge party every time, but yeah. yeah. So I think bit make curious and celebrate. I love that. It, again, how you're saying, you know, it can be this simple, you know, but we've yeah. been programmed to think that it's so hard and it's, you know, beliefs and like, I even have been hearing a lot of people recently talk about their spiritual journey as like an uphill battle, you know, it's, Oh, getting to work at it. <laughs> oh, don't, don't do that to your spiritual journey. I mean, <laughs> let's not, let's not pre-program that anyway. Um, there's, there's tough parts of a spiritual journey because there's always going to be contrast, but it's not inherently, I think, an uphill battle. It's the toxic spiritual stuff that we have to let go of. That's actually the uphill. You're everyone's ready for the downhill. Yeah. Wow. If you've already experienced the uphill, there's no reason to stay on that. That's your if it, if your spiritual ba- if your spiritual is your spirituality feels like a battle, I think it's not the spirituality that feels like the battle. It's the old beliefs that aren't serving you. Mm, there it is. That are probably feel like the battle. I love that. Yeah, I believe that too. It might just be yeah. early on, or you know, trying to figure out what that journey may look like too. For some people, they like you know they get overwhelmed. I'm sure you experience this. It's yeah. like, oh yeah, you know, I have to do the business and I have to do my work and I need to be like the perfect person. A lot of our listeners tend to fall into perfectionism too. Um, 
But I think what you've described today perfectly is that your spiritual journey, whatever that looks like, is never going to be perfect. You know, you're from every single step, every moment, learning opportunity. Yeah. And I think always just the more we can get curious, I I also work with a lot of like, for instance, Christians who are deconstructing old beliefs. So if they're coming from a really a mindset of hellfire is sort of more front and center than Jesus is, or they're deconstructing something like, oh, maybe the Bible isn't literally true. Okay, And that, that feels like a battle initially, because we have a core value, a previous core value that's at odds with an emerging belief. Hmm. But it isn't actually a battle. There's a real difference between saying this feels like a battle versus this is a battle. Wow. Right. Cause it can, we can acknowledge that it's, it feels like this right now, but that's not a permanent state of being. Yeah. Right. It's just a moment in time. It's a moment, right. We're shifting to something else, even if we don't know what that is. Okay. Right. Like, so. I love how you said that. It's it's not is a battle. It's just in the moment it feels like the right. battle. And then it does. It seems so minute. There's a um a David White poem that kind of talks about this. He calls it sweet darkness. And mm. he talks about how quickly the darkness moves if you just kind of, you know, ride it out instead yeah. of resisting it. Which and even embracing it. Yeah. Right. It's there to tell us something. If we if we feel like there's a battle going on, it's there that it's simply that there is an old belief that's there to give us some information. Mm. Right. So it's it, it's scared that we're going to abandon it and it wants us to know something so we can listen to it. And once it feels heard, it will diminish. Wow. It will diminish and then it may even transform into something new. Right. So, I mean, for business owners, I think this is really relevant. I can't charge that much. I can't, yes. I can't raise my prices. Okay. That's an old belief. What's the the belief? What is that belief trying to tell you? It's probably trying to tell you well, I'm scared that no one's going to buy it and that we're going to be bankrupt. Okay. I hear you. Okay. I hear that belief. I acknowledge that that belief is there. Can we just try this? See how it goes. And if it doesn't go well, we can always come back to the old price. And I bet that that belief will settle down. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Just give it a go. Or when you're ready, give it a go. If it's really that yes. scary, right? <laughs> yeah. Bring in some strategic planning. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Nothing, to, nothing, nothing like doing a little market research to support you, but. Right. For more peace of mind, for sure. I yeah. love that. That's such a great point because it really does have so much similar overlap, you know, the work that like, that that was literally why the end in mind kind of bridged this for me. Like it's been my journey trying to decipher like, why am I feeling like I am just my business? And that's my mm. only identity, you know? And then I really walked away from that and had to rebrand, redevelop because I've changed, you know, I'm no yeah. longer living in that mindset that that's what I had to be to be successful, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, you, you took an old belief, reformulated it, created a, a new and emerging one. Yeah. Wow. And then expanded. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And it even like physically expanded because like the business physically expanded, right. you know, after. So it's so cool and interesting to hear how the words, like, even though we're talking about rhetoric and perspective, how the words do link, you know, I oh, think yeah. before too, like, with one of my coaches, I'm working on mind body connection as well. 
and we were talking about blood pressure and she was like, you know, it's interesting that blood pressure keeps coming up because it sounds like you're really hard on yourself. So you're Mm. putting a lot of like mental pressure on yourself. I was like, wow, I have never heard anybody bridge that, you know? Yeah. It was so mind opening. Like I feel, felt like in that moment, it was like Eureka, you know? <laughs> like, I, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. What a great link. Great, great. Make. Back. Yeah. I, well, and it's, it's kind of like the difference between saying I'm anxious. Mm. There's nothing, nothing wrong with that. Everyone's going to experience anxiety from time to time or, or more often, uh, depending on what, how we're living at the time at the moment. But there's a real difference between saying I'm an anxious person versus I'm experiencing anxiety. Yeah. They just have a real tonal difference. I mean, I'm, I'm experiencing anxiety right now means it will not be forever. I love that. How you mentioned that it really is just a moment in time. Yeah. It's a moment in time and it's, it's not all of who we are. Yeah. Same with my business is currently experiencing low cash flow. Right. (laughs) And it won't forever. Right. Right. Because we're still committed. We're curious. We're going to celebrate. Yes. Oh my gosh. Right. Right. It's just moment. They are moments in time and they're, they're all, they're all weatherable with the right tools. That's so well said. I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much for sharing your insight. And this has been such a great and like conversation for me and for me to learn more as well. So I know our listeners are definitely going to walk away with some new ideas and even just a different perspective. You know, I feel like you've changed so much for me. So how can we get in touch with you when, you know, if they have questions or is there a best way for them to reach out to you on your website or something? Yeah, I think the easiest way is soulsavvybusiness.com. That's the name of my podcast and that's the name of the website too. So just Soul Savvy Business. There's some freebies on there. There's some training. So just just come on over. That's the best way. You'll see my email. You can contact me that way. You can always reach out to me at katie at katievalentine.com. But just my name is Katie, K-A-T-Y. Yeah. Not I-E. So, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, either way is great. And I've I've so enjoyed it. I'm walking away with tons of new ways to think about things uh, as well. So I just, you know, I can't wait to hear from people what resonates. Yeah, if anything. I'm sure a lot will. And we will leave all of your links below as well. So for any of our listeners are multitasking. I know you guys normally love to do that. So check out the show notes below. We'll have all of Katie's information. Um, And if you would like to even connect with her on Instagram, send me a DM and I'm happy to send you over her way too. We'll be promoting her all week as well. So hopefully you guys have already checked out her Instagram page. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to The End in Mind. I would like to remind you all, if you haven't yet reached out to me on Instagram, we are at Meraki underscore media underscore management. It will be in our show notes as well. If you would like to reach out to me, we always offer free coaching through Instagram based around our Instagram training and our business Instagram practices. If you need any type of support, please do not hesitate to reach out to me there. And we also offer several different types of consulting and training packages if you're looking for a little bit more in-depth tips. So thank you all for listening in. And of course, I want you all to keep the end in mind as you continue with your day and or work week. Have a great week and I will see you all next time.